The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Hi, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX. And oh boy, this guy's gone way before his time, isn't he? Yeah. He's so good, Tom Petty. How about that uh, time down in Gainesville where he is from at the Florida game when they were all singing? It was right oh, after he had passed that. away at the student section. Is that right? I can't remember what song it was, but it was a Petty song. And, and the whole student section was cheering, uh, singing in. And then everybody across the stadium singing in his hometown of Gainesville. Nice. And uh, nice. singing a little Petty going into the fourth quarter. Uh, good stuff. All right, Miller and Condon with you until noon. Phil Steele is going to uh, join us at about, uh, well, he says he's going to call us at 1120. Mm-hmm. He's usually pretty prompt if memory serves, so we will hear. Uh, from Phil Steele in 15 minutes, and then Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. Just one little nugget. Uh, it's AHL-related. Our friends uh, downtown here at Wells Fargo. The NHL put out their schedule, well, what they hope to do. They hope to begin play in right around Thanksgiving with the 2021 season. Okay. Which means, you know, we had Chris Connolly and Todd Fredrickson on last week, and they're kind of in the dark. Uh, if the NHL is starting, maybe it won't be as long of a delay as we thought it was going to be. Makes sense. Maybe. Yeah. It's going to be di- We're talking about limited teams, obviously, that are going to have this extended time in the playoffs, but that turnaround time. Yeah. <laughs> now they got an extra four months, quote unquote, off season mm-hmm. leading into this. October but- 2nd is the latest that hockey will go this year. As it means what we're about to embark on this year, October 2nd. So, at the very least, for the teams playing in the Stanley Cup, they'll get a couple weeks, six, four weeks off, maybe. Yeah. Have their parade. Right. You won't be What's able to. What's a parade going to look like? Oh, my God. Whoever yeah, ultimately you know what? wins that That's NHL. A great point. Or any sport. <laughs> right. What's a parade going to look like? Ugh. I always wondered this. There's a parade, obviously, for professional sports. Mm-hmm. And you see it sometimes for collegiate sports. Let's say I were Iowa State. Shocks the world and win a national championship, basketball, football, either one. Okay. They have obviously a parade in the city. I mean, I don't know. Do colleges? I'm not, I don't know the answer to that. I've seen a few, not often. I don't know if I ever have. Now I'm, I don't know. Maybe I have this wrong. I don't think that, I don't recall that. Right. I mean, that's certainly the pros, as you mentioned. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I'm wrong even on that. Was there a parade in Baton Rouge? There should have been. <laughs> if there wasn't, there should have been. Would Des Moines do anything? Maybe not a parade for either one, but mm, Iowa no. State would be easier. Yeah, but it's because of proximity, but yeah, it's not your city. The cities. fan base is fractured though. There's it too is. many of each in every in every city. No. I don't think that they would. No. They have one in New York if the Yankees win. Sure. There's plenty of Mets fans. And vice versa. If yeah, the Mets I, win I, it, I just, I, there's more Yankees fans. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of a parade for a college, for a college yeah. champion. Now you get the White House visit. Yes. Obviously, you're big men on campus or women on campus for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, they always are. They always it doesn't, are. It doesn't a take point. a championship to yeah, do that. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. All right, uh, Miller and Condon with you until noon. Speaking of pros, the, the uh, Washington uh, football team's uh, nickname is No More. Yes. Uh, that became official today. Do you have a favorite? 
I want the red tails. The red tails is I good. I like the story. I like the red tails. Uh-huh. The colors are staying, apparently. Yes. Snyder said that today, that the colors are going to stay. Which, I don't have a problem with that. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't go. Yeah. I, you, you, you can stay with that. So what's next on the chopping block? Is it Indians and Braves and MLB? Well, I think the Indians have already said, the Braves came out today and said, no, we are not changing. They are looking at doing away with the chop. <laughs> which I think makes every other sport baseball fan happy. Yes. Um, Arrowhead Stadium apparently is getting another look-see. Okay, yeah, I can buy that. Uh, Lamar Hunt Stadium would certainly make yeah, sense, yeah. right? Let's name it after him. I don't think that... Ch- well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Are the Is Cleveland going to turn into the Cleveland Spiders? That seems to be the odds-on favorite that I've heard. I know you like rocks. I do like rocks. I think the Spiders is going to win out, though. I don't know if there's a rush to do it. There's I, mean, a- I don't know. If look, they're not going to make next Thursday. Right. <laughs> they're they're going to come out there just with a blank uniform. Right. Nothing on the front. Doesn't say Indians across there. They can go with the roads that say Cleveland across them and maybe just wear the roads all the time mm-hmm. until they get something ready. You think they would do that? No, no. Now I'm trying to think of the their home jersey. You know, baseball teams go through. There are so many of them. Reconfigurations. Mm-hmm. You're right. Just the sheer number of them. I don't know in the current construction of Cleveland's uniforms if it does say Indians across the front or... If it does say Cleveland. It says Cleveland. It says Cleveland? Yeah. I know the road ones do. You know what? Now you got me thinking. I think that they both say Cleveland, don't they? Home uniform Cleveland Indians. Says Indians right across the chest. And that's the only one they wear? In that cursive, yeah. That's the the current kit. Isn't that what they (laughs) call it? Soccer. soccer. Yeah. (laughs) Proper kit. The uh it says Cleveland, yeah. Road uniforms for Cleveland, and it says Indians across the chest. I mean, can you take those off? It's just Cleveland. New stitching? Just, just put Cleveland, Cleveland across there. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland ball squad. Ball team. Yeah. yeah. I think the Indians probably has to go in time for right. this year. I think it'll be Cleveland. Uh, and don't and they bang the drum in center field. Well, there'll be no fans in center field. There won't. Right. So that we can take care of that really easily. That was the easy part, yes. Indeed. All right, KXNO and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword Happy to 200, 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. Happy to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Talking uh, some baseball here, and the new rankings came out today. It's the final rankings for 4A and 3A from the Coaches Association. So, what did you, but you have a game tonight, right? I do, yeah. Right. Going to be up in Ankeny tonight. The now second ranked talks, they were number three. And uh, they take on Valley tonight. Who's numero uno? Johnston, number one. Yeah. Ankeny, two. Urbandale, three. But just looking at it and not seeing da- Dowling Catholic weird. on there. So unfortunate. It really. is. So unfortunate. And especially now when you understand how it happened. Right. Yeah. You know, if they would have read the test properly, they could have taken the precautions. And it was a coach, correct? It was, yep. And that coach would have had to miss, but the team would have been able to play and complete mm-hmm. their season. and. Got a misread on that. Uh, so when does your playoff coverage start? That'll be Friday night. Uh, Friday night things begin, at least on the 4A side of things. Tomorrow, though, we're uh, looking at possibly bringing a District 1A or 2A game your way. There are a couple of rainouts up north that started on Saturday, the uh, 1A and 2A district round. So looking to uh, put something out there, though. Someone local, one of the smaller schools, mm-hmm. throw them a bone. Well, you just did that last week, too, did, right? did, yes. How was Woodward Granger? They're good. They're good. They can swing it. They got yeah. a couple of really good arms too. I was really impressed by that squad. I they got a chance, but 
their path to get to the state tournament is going to prove to be difficult. Not like they're going to be able just to cakewalk them there. Don't have to win only one game like Ankeny. Mm. That's the way it's set up now for the Hawks. They have to win one game now Jeez. to get to the state tournament. Uh, was the I'm, I'm anticipating that the answer is yes, but they were pretty glad to see you up there. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I know Coach Evans a little bit. I've talked to him about a year ago, so it was fun. You know me. I'm a small-town guy, mm-hmm. and when I get an opportunity to do that, and the CIML schedule, you talked about this last week to me, Ken. I hadn't even realized initially there were a number of teams that decided they were just going to cancel their <laughs> end-of-the-season games. In fact, yep. tonight I was scheduled to be out at, at Johnston for Waukee Johnston, but that was one of the games that was taken off the board. So was able to uh, do some maneuvering here and going to be out there doing both games for CISN up in Ankeny tonight. But it makes sense for those teams too, right? Absolutely. They're not... They this was told to me right at the beginning. They're not handing out trophies for CIML championships for baseball and softball this year. Even though you might win it, it's just because schedules they knew were going to be really? different. They just made the decision. You know what? No division titles, nothing yeah. like that. Just we'll play the games. We'll play it out, but not handing out a championship. So in the grand scheme of things, these games tonight for Johnston for Waukee didn't mean anything. They're not no. going to change your playoff that's positioning. Why, that's why teams took the night, uh, decided the not night to play. And push everything They're back on the side of caution. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, we, you asked, I think, at the beginning of the show today if the MLB is playing exhibition games, just announced that the Astros will be in Kansas City for a two-game till 20th and 21st. Uh, Monday, Tuesday. Is that Monday, Tuesday? Yes, today's the 13th, so Monday, Tuesday Monday, of next Tuesday. week. Nice. The Twins will be playing the Cubs in an exhibition game. As they'll be, uh, the Twins will be playing the White Sox first up. They have to broadcast these, right? Don't I would they? think so. And that would, I think that's Tuesday of next week, the twenty first. I think it so. is. No, it is. That's when that game was scheduled for. So you in for a little exhibition, Twins, Cubs? Sure. Yeah. Anything. I mean, I'm I'm getting off watching Inner Squad. That's all, that's all it takes. It's, it's, it doesn't take much. Watching balls leave the ballpark and some amazing catches so far. God, we miss it. Uh, 11.15, Phil Steele will join us. We'll take a timeout. Phil Steele will be with us when we return. going to talk some college football uh, with the dean of the magazines. This is the one. If you're only going to buy one, this is the one. Phil Steele, it's the Bible of college football. He joins us next. Matt Poston, he's got a good one on his own, right? His yearbook mm-hmm. is out at Heartland College Sports. Uh, we will take a time out, come back, talk to Phil Steele, Miller and Condon, till noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 10. Bill Reichart, Golf Classic. The Johnston Farmer's Market features 50 vendors selling produce, flowers, baked goods, and crafts. Hundreds of people attend the market weekly to enjoy live music, barbecue, and local shopping. The Johnston Farmer's Market is Tuesdays from 3.30 till 6.30 at Simpson Barn, 6169 North Glen Drive in Johnston. The Johnston Farmer's Market. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Take you until noon. Matt Poston's uh, going to talk some Big 12 coming up. Heartland College Sports is where you can read Matt and the whole crew over there right now. As we said going into break, if you're only going to buy one college football magazine, this is the one. Uh, He's Phil Steele. His magazine is hitting newsstands. 
Uh, Trent, I'm looking at it right now, July 24th. Well, it can't get here soon enough. Indeed. Phil Steele's with us right now. Phil, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on in Des Moines. How are you, Phil Steele? You know, I am doing great. How about you gentlemen this afternoon? Well, fingers crossed, uh, Phil, that we're everybody's sitting on pins and needles through this thing. So kind of let's go behind the scenes before we get into some of the uh, football itself. Let's talk about your magazine because it is such a it's a must have for what we do. And if you're a college football fan to get you ready for the season and quite frankly, throughout the season, it is so chock full of information. We say it to it every year. We're just not blowing sunshine up your skirt. Um, but Phil, what, how difficult was the decision for you to go forward because it's, it's got it costs money to take this to press uh, how difficult a decision was it for you yeah well the first uh, decision i made was back in march when they shut everything down uh, my my office was closed for two months so uh yeah, i was in here working by myself the first one decision i made was as opposed to printing 150,000 of them and going across every single newsstand out there that we would not be even be on newsstands this year we would just sell them through the office and then uh Barnes and Noble contacted me Books a Million contacted me we got an exclusive deal with those two we're printing a lot less magazines this year but you can still get them at Barnes and Noble Books a Million July 24th but uh yeah sitting in the empty office for 2 months uh it was it was a little tuck nipping nipping tuck for a while there yeah, and uh, the magazine, when we get our hands on it here at the end of the month for the first time, is it going to look anything different than what we normally get? How different will it be? I know that obviously the process was a lot different for you, though. Yeah, really, there's not going to be a difference. Uh, what we did this year is, uh, you know, normally we go to the press after all the spring games are over, and we send the, the last page of the press May 30th. Well, this year we couldn't do it on May 30th, and what I did this year is I talked to even more coaches than I normally talk to, and the coaches have a pretty good feel about who's going to be playing where. And, yes, they missed out on spring practices, in some case all 15 spring practices, in some case uh, 7, 8, 9, 10 of them. Uh, but I, I got a, I, I like where our projected starting lineups are for each team. We go 3-4 deep, as you know, in the magazine, and I like to feel we're in pretty good shape uh, order-wise. Uh, what it did affect was probably the amount of true freshmen or redshirt freshmen you project to move up in the lineup because they didn't have that benefit of the spring practice. So you went a little bit more with the experience level uh, in that respect. But same amount of information. We just went to the press later, and uh, I, I think it's still something you're going to be using all football season long. Mm, absolutely will. Well, we both thought, uh, Trent and I both thought, that the Cyhawk game this year that is now not going to be mm-hmm. played uh, was so it's important every year. But we really think that there's two good football teams in our state we think Matt Campbell's team has a chance to you know to maybe contend for uh that second team that looks like Texas is loaded this year and Oklahoma's Oklahoma uh of course Gundy's got a nice squad but we think Matt Campbell does got a returning quarterback as we know their defense is stout need help on the offensive line uh conversely over in Iowa as you know Phil because I know you talked to coach Ferentz uh we're going to see a new quarterback for the first time in three years skill wise loaded offensive line to no surprise they're going to be good as always, when you talk to the coaches, Campbell and Ference, uh what were some of your takeaways from what they said? Well, first of all, you're talking about two of the best coaches in the game right there. And, uh, you know, I love the way Coach Campbell's building his team. He's confident. I told him up front, to Coach Campbell, 
my main concern this year is that offensive line because they lose 144 career starts. And I'll go back to Matt, Matt Campbell's first year at Iowa State. That offensive line he put on the field that year, very inexperienced. And, you know, I think they had pieces and parts from all over the place. It was a, a mismatch offensive line. This one's better than that first-year offensive line. And he's got confidence that they'll come around and, and mold in. And if they do, they got Brock Purdy, a quarterback. Brees Hall, remember last mm-hmm. year he didn't really start out the year as the top guy, was clearly the top guy at the end of the year. That tight end group with uh, Charlie Kolar, Chase Allen, and uh, that's the best, maybe the best group of tight ends in the country. And defensively, you know, I love the fact that Clemson came out last year and got Iowa State's defensive schemes. In fact, I was just watching a Clemson game the other day, and it looked very similar to Iowa State. So you know they're doing a good job defensively. And with guys like Jaquan Bailey, uh, Mike Rose, uh, Greg Eisworth all back, this is going to be a very good defense. So I'm not wild with Iowa State, what I'm not wild about is the schedule. You touched on Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, I also say that Oklahoma State, with all the guys they've returned from last year, is going to be a dangerous game, as is TCU. TCU bounces back well, and unfortunately for Iowa State, they have to play Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas, all on the road, as well as Oklahoma at home. So the potential's there where they could be an underdog in as many as four games. Now, Matt Campbell walking the sidelines, that doesn't mean they're going to lose those games. They'll still play extremely well, and I I think they're a legitimate contender uh, in the Big 12 this year. Unfortunately, of the five best teams in the Big 12, they definitely do draw the toughest schedule. But uh, Coach Campbell, very confident in the squad this year. And as I mentioned, he's more confident in the offensive line than I was heading into the conversation. And uh, moving over to to Coach Ferentz, I mean, uh, the big question mark is quarterback. But he liked what uh, Spencer uh, Petrus brings to the table and Alex Padilla feels it's going to be a good battle there. You look at the running game, we talk about a running back emerging. That's what Tyler Goodson did last year. I think he'll be one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. The receiving core was young last year. It's now experienced with Smith-Marset back. Uh, the tight ends have more experience. You guys touched on the offensive line. I rate it the number 21 offensive line in the country. And while they do lose some big-time players up front on the defensive line, uh, they actually basically have two returning starters on the defensive front, Golston and the Northern Illinois transfer, Jack Heflin. So they're more experienced than they were last year. Remember, they lost all four starters last year. They had one guy back with experience in Epineza. So I think you look at the defensive line, they'll be in good shape, secondary in good shape. But much like Iowa State, the one thing I don't like about Iowa, you go to the middle of the schedule at Ohio State, at Penn State. Not only are those two back-to-back weeks, both teams are off a bye for crying out loud. Who does the Big Ten schedule would be my question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but with something uh, Kirk Ferentz and that schedule maker must not get along, or that computer probably more than likely <laughs> don't get along as they spit that out. Well, Phil, you went to press, and then the Big Ten made the announcement they're going conference only. Possibility, maybe that'll blow out. You're in Ohio. What has been what people have been saying there? Do you anticipate that even the Big Ten slate, the 10 games now, as they'll add an extra game, that they're going to completely go back and, and reconfigure this schedule? Or do you think it's going to be just adding an additional game with the games that are already scheduled in the Big Ten? Uh, I would hope that they go back and just add a game because all the other games are set, the dates are set. Uh, you've already moved the season back, the start of it from you know maybe the end of August until let's say, September the 18th or 26th. So I think you can leave the dates the same, just add one game to it. And uh, that I think that makes the most sense uh, for the Big Ten coming into the season. And, and frankly, you know, with the magazine, all of my forecasts that I do for each of the conferences, 
is based on conference record. So the fact that the non-conference games have been eliminated may alter my top 50 a little bit, but it doesn't alter any of my conference forecasts in the magazine. Uh, Phil, I'm not sure when you were talking to the coaches if you brought up the fact that, you know, what if worst-case scenario we do have to slide to early 2021 to play some of those games? If you did, what were some of the concerns amongst the coaches that you spoke to? Yeah, I, I try to keep it mostly the stuff we can talk about, uh, the players on the team. I don't generally get into too many of those other things. And really, at the time that I was talking to the coaches, it was three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it looked like 100% we're going to get the full season in and everything's going to play. And the coaches were pretty optimistic at that point. Now, for my personal take, I think if you slide the game into the spring, you're going to lose a lot of those players who wow. you know, have NFL potential. So you know, it might, might jostle some of the top rosters out there uh, for the players that they lose that won't be playing in the spring because they're trying to get ready for the NFL draft. Phil, normally when we talk to you, I have the magazine in hand and I'm already going through some of my favorite articles, but alas, that's not the case this year. We hope to get you when that uh, magazine comes out on newsstands here by the end of the month again, but my favorite part is going through your surprise teams. You've been so successful with these throughout the year. So give us a little preview. Who do you got in there as your surprise team for 2020? Well, I'll throw uh, three surprise teams at you right now. And one of them is in Big 12 country. It's Texas. And I can put Texas on the list because they won't be in the top ten. Unlike last year when Sam Ellinger said, we're back. Well, guess what? They weren't last year. But this is Tom Herman's best team that he's put on the field. They've got Ellinger back at quarterback, Ingram. Uh, Johnson, they're much deeper at running back than they were last year. The offensive line looks solid. Uh, and as mentioned, it's his best team. All eight units rank in my top units in the front of the magazine. That game that they play against Oklahoma and Dallas is big. They get uh, Iowa State at home. They get TCU at home. So I think Texas is a team that has a legitimate shot, and they play Oklahoma tough every year. And by the way, the surprise team list for the listeners out there are a non-top-10 team that I think has a shot at making the playoff this year. That's the the uh, criteria for the surprise team list. Another one to look at, it's a team that was just 6-7 uh, and seven last year, yet they're on my surprise team list. It's the Miami Hurricanes, and Miami got a couple of big players coming in. They got De'Ara King from Houston, the quarterback, and De'Ara King solves what was probably Miami's biggest problem last year, which was quarterback play. De'Ara King is a dynamic athlete. I think he's going to have a major impact with Miami. And then the other addition, they already had one really good uh, defensive end last year uh, that led the uh, ACC in sacks. Uh, in Gregory Rousseau. And now they added Quincy Roche, who, uh, by the way, was the American Conference Player of the Year when he led Temple in sacks last year with 13 and a half. So they've got those guys at defensive end, some solid DTs, improved quarterback play, good talent throughout. I think Miami could be one of those surprise teams this year. But my number one surprise team comes from the SEC, and it's Jimbo Fisher's group at Texas A&M. And they've got a couple of major mm-hmm. things pointing their way this year. Number one, last year they were a young team. This year they're much more experienced. They're number 10 on my experience chart. They've got 17 returning starters, including a veteran quarterback in Kellen Mond. And then the schedule. Last year they took on three number one teams and five top 10 teams. I rated it a top 10 toughest schedule. 
Well, this year they take on my number 66 toughest schedule. So a lot of those big games drop off. Clemson's not on the list anymore. And uh, LSU is not LSU anymore, plus they get them at home. Probably the toughest game on the schedule is at Alabama. And remember last year, LSU had to go into Tuscaloosa and win that game to get to the national title game. I think Texas A&M could be that sneaky non-top-10 team that breaks into the playoffs this year. How big of a drop-off is it for LSU? Uh, I still have number 11, but I do think it is a large drop-off. They go from number 15 on my experience chart all the way down to number 130. I mean, we're talking about eight returning starters, 14 guys lost to the NFL. They're a good team, but I think it's going to be tough for them to get past either Texas A&M or Alabama. And don't I see it more like the uh, the 2018 season when they were 10-3 and rather than last year when they went 15-0 and and dominated the playoff. Will there be bowl games? We're convinced there's a playoff that's going to happen. Will there be bowls? Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking out of the things that I look at, uh, there are like the minor bowl games. Yep. I could see a lot of them going by the wayside this year, especially if you're not allowed to travel, because the whole purpose of bowl right. games coming into the season is to bring tra- bring visitors to the city. And if you can't do that, then they could go by the wayside. But let's be hopeful, guys. Yep. Let's hope this whole thing turns around. And two weeks from now, everybody's got a different view, and we're all pumped up about college football. But uh, I would say if there's one thing going to go besides non-conference games would be the bowl games, and the, the minor ones at least. I'm with you. Phil, we can't wait to get it in front of us, so hopefully you'll find time to come back when we've actually had some time to look at your work. We love grading it each and every year, Phil. You're the best. Thank you. Hey, appreciate you having me on, guys. We'll definitely do that. We'll get you out a couple magazines and uh, look forward to chatting with you guys again. Good deal. Barnes & Noble for the exclusive July 24th. Thanks, Phil Steele. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Phil Steele, college football conversation. I, it's a good point. I think that uh, if there, you know, the non-cons are gone, what would be next if there is one other shoe to drop? It would be the bowl games. But maybe we can do some creative things, right? Maybe we can get regionalized. It has uh, been talked about a lot. Game in St. Louis, Iowa versus whomever. Heck, Iowa versus Iowa State. Uh, but the bowl games seem like they are an endangered species with the exception of the playoffs. Yeah, the playoffs certainly, uh, and the Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl, they're part of the rotation this year of the playoff. So if it wasn't that kind of rotation, I could see, I'm yeah, still going to have the Rose Bowl, still going to have mm-hmm. the Sugar Bowl, and whatever, but that's part of the rotation now. You know, Does the Fiesta, the Peach, do they survive for they this year? I think they do six do. So you got those, maybe a few others. Pre-Christmas, out the door. It's going to be like the, yeah, like the old days mm-hmm. where you had to be really good mm-hmm. to make a bowl game. Maybe not conference champion good, but right. really good to get in. Eight seem like a fair number if you, if you include the two games. I think that's probably fair. Still going to have the Cap City or the Capital One Bowl. Alamo. Would, yeah, the Alamo would make the list. Oh, uh, we've, we don't know. No. But I think the playoff will happen. Yes. There's just too much money. 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 Uh, We will talk to Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. Let's do some Big 12 conversation next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM.
waking up a little bit over there. <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 and all this talks in Big 12, Heartland College Sports, Matt Postens, but we have to ask one question, Cowboys. He writes for the Maven. He covers the Dallas Cowboys, and obviously Dak Prescott is a big, big story. He's got a couple of days to get that done. Sounds like maybe won't happen. Uh, Matt Postens, first of all, welcome. We're going to get to the Big 12 in a second, but what's the latest on Dak Prescott? Well, a, you know, he's, like you said, he's got a couple more days where he can either, you know, agree to a long-term contract with the Cowboys, which uh, both sides seem to want to do, or he can stay on the franchise tender, which would pay him a guaranteed uh, $32, $33 million a year in that neighborhood. Uh, and then, you know, he could go through the whole franchise tag uh, process again next year. Uh, he could go through another negotiating process. If you remember, Kirk Cousins went through this two years in a row with Washington. Uh, he was in the tag two straight years. Um, I kind of figured that if they had something done from a contract standpoint, it would be done by now. So I, I really feel as if you know the haggling in this case is usually about guaranteed money and how many years. And when you consider that the NFL is going to have to renegotiate a TV contract in probably three or four years, I can see Prescott's agent trying to time a contract to where the next TV contract kicks in because that would obviously kick up the salary cap and potentially kick up Prescott's uh, money even further. And now you have the added uh, piece of Pat Mahomes having his new contract, which is just gargantuan. Uh, he has kind of set the market in a way where I don't think Prescott's going to make more than he will, but now Prescott's agent could go back to the Cowboys and say the gap between what he's going to make and what you've been offering, it's pretty wide. Let's see if we can narrow that a little bit. So if I'm a betting man, I don't think I'll have a deal done by the uh, uh, the deadline. Deck Prescott, do you, in the end, maybe it's a franchise take, do you anticipate he's going to be the quarterback for the Cowboys in, say, four or five years? That's what I anticipate. Now, the one good thing for the Cowboys, if, if Prescott's on the tag this year, it does give them a chance to look at the market and say, okay, is there a quarterback out there that might give us something different or something better than Prescott can give us the last four years? Uh, they could also look down in college football, which, of course, is you know beginning to look like kind of a mess right now, uh, and look at the quarterbacks that they have on their roster and see if there's somebody they can develop. Um, you know, Jason Garrett and that staff made a, a huge commitment to Prescott when they drafted him and made him the starter. Uh, McCarthy has, to this point, made the same sort of commitment, but it's really hard to say whether or not uh, they'll continue that commitment beyond this year if they don't get a long-term deal done. I anticipate he'll be the quarterback long-term, uh, but um, i got to be honest with you, uh, having him on the franchise tag makes it a little bit harder to speculate. Does the mail get there or something? <laughs> <laughs> I got a guy working on the house outside. <laughs> uh, no problem. Look, you warned us. Uh, but we said, no, we're going forward with this because we love talking to you. So there's speculation. Ralph Russo just tweeted this, that he can see, can see a path for the um, ACC as well as the SEC and the Big 12 to continue to play They'll play their 10 games, but maybe they won't be so quick to do away with the entire non-cons. Obviously, SEC and AC, they're eight games. Big 12 has nine. What are you hearing as far as the Big 12? What are they going to do to find that 10th game? Would they play another uh, one of their 
you know, their rival. I, I can't see Oklahoma and Texas playing twice, but I mean, I couldn't see the pandemic coming either. Well, how, do, how are they going to handle this? What will the 10th game look like for the Big 12? Yeah, it's a really good question because you don't have alignment right now. You know, Pac-12 and, and Big Ten have made it clear we're going to be a conference schedule. Now, they're nine-game conference schedule. So uh, Big 12 is nine, SEC is eight, ACC is eight, like you said. So if you're going to try to align things in a way where everybody's equal, then maybe the SEC should talk about, you know, playing uh, the ACC as opposed to the Big 12. I know we've had a big piece on our side about yeah, the Big 12 and the SEC playing each other, but you know, what benefit does it do to the Big 12 to play a 10th game against the SEC when the SEC doesn't play the same amount of conference games that the Big 12 does? If you're going to try to align things equally from a Power 5 standpoint, then I would say to the SEC, go play one game against the ACC. That way everybody's playing nine games across the board and all things being equal, we'd have a more equal playing field to determine who goes into the playoff in December. Any path at all to seeing an expansion for one year only of the college football playoff? Do you see anything out there likely to open this thing up and, and maybe with it bring some more money into the coffers of each of these conferences? I think it will depend greatly upon uh, you know on how many games these schools decide to, to jettison. Let's just say everybody plays a conference schedule and it's eight or nine games, whatever that may be. Um, I don't think they would expand it uh, unless they're worried about one team from each conference ending up undefeated, which, you know, potentially could happen. Uh, you could have a situation where you could have one team in each of those five conferences be undefeated, maybe even Notre Dame be undefeated, depending upon the kind of schedule they play. And then you have five or six teams that are undefeated, and now the, the, the committee has to sort through these six teams or these five teams that are all undefeated to figure out who the four playoff teams are. To avoid that, yeah, you could expand for a year. You could make more money. You could make up some of that TV money that you're going to lose with the non-conference games. So I could see it, but I think it's pretty unlikely when you consider everything that's going on. That would mean coming up with four more playoff sites. It would probably probably mean more health protocols, more you know bubbles, so to speak, to keep players in them during that December period where we know the flu gets harder to deal with, and I would imagine the coronavirus will get harder to deal with as well. So I think it's pretty unlikely they would expand it. But if they saw a way to financially make up the ground that they're losing with these non-conference games that some of these uh, schools are jettisoning in an attempt to push back the season and try to make sure there is a season, they might push forward. Mm. When do you think we'll know? When is Bob Bowlesby going to uh, uh, share his plan with everybody, do you think? It seems like... You know, from last, this is last Friday, I think that he was uh, quoted saying he's in no rush. They've got some time was kind of his message. When do you think that time runs out? When will we know what they're planning on doing, do you think, Matt? Uh, I think he might give us an indication next week at Big 12 Media Days. Uh, He usually speaks on Monday. Um, I think he'll talk about the different things that they're probably talking about. I don't think that they'll have a firm decision, but I think we'll kind of get a feel for you know, what direction they might be going. You know, do we just go ahead and just play that non-conference schedule? Because the benefit to that, or the conference schedule, rather, because the benefit to that is everybody does that. It pushes the season back to mid to late September. It gives everybody a little bit more time to deal with all this. It doesn't completely scuttle the season. Uh, I think there's a lot of benefit to that. I think that's ultimately what they'll decide to do, even though it does kind of imbalance them a little bit with the ACC and the SEC. Uh, But I, I think we might start getting little 
you know, tea leaves next week, but I don't think we'll see a firm plan from them probably until the end of July. Because I think, I think they want to see, you know, more data over the next couple of weeks with everything that's been happening with this virus. Everybody opened up on June 1 when it came to college football for the most part, in part because the data they had to that point said that they had things under control. We have a lot of data now to suggest that we don't have things under control when it comes to that. So I think they're postponing that decision for a few more weeks because they want to see more data and they want to see where things go. Uh, the ACC just postponed their virtual media days. Is the Big 12 still going forward, to your knowledge? Uh, the Big 12 is still going forward as far as I know. It's important to know that the ACC was the last conference of the Power Five to decide to go to a virtual media day. So this is not like, you know, it's not like the Big 12 where they decided to go virtual in May and they've been planning it for two months. The ACC is now kind of backpedaling and trying to figure out, well, how do we do this? The Big 12 has already figured out how uh, they're going to do this. In fact, I got an email from them last night saying, hey, here's the, here's the information to start with. You're going to start getting more emails to kind of get everything set up in the future to participate next week. So I don't see the Big 12 postponing unless the NCAA wants everybody to postpone. So I think the Big 12 media days will go on as planned. Last thing for me as we're talking right now with Matt Postens, Heartland College Sports. Matt, we love talking college basketball with you and Big 12 basketball in particular, but that is feeling like it's even more unknown than what we have on the football side. In some form or fashion, college football is going to be played. It's just financially too important for each of these athletic departments. Where do you sit right now when you look at college basketball? Uh, I could see college basketball going to some sort of a conference-only format uh, like uh, football's talking about right now. If you think about the idea of most conferences start their play in January, uh, I could see a lot of conferences saying, you know what, we're not going to do the travel thing, tournaments and things like that. We're not going to try and, 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 and do all these things that we do during non-conference to try to generate interest in the game. We're just going to say January, we're going to start conference play. Uh, we're going to, you know, do our thing, so to speak. Uh, I don't know that you could necessarily have bubbles around the country the way the NBA is doing it in Orlando right now. I think that'd be a more difficult thing to do. I think it actually would be a more reasonable solution uh, in this case because you could have all the players in one place and play non-conference for two months, but or play conference rather for two months. But I think they'll just have a normal conference season and dispense with non-conference basketball this year. Matt Poston's HeartlandCollegeSports.com on the Maven the Cowboys site. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Uh, Matt Poston's there as we uh, wrap things up. Just one little nugget. Mm-hmm. Um, Jenny Baranzik, the Drake coach. Yes, yeah. Uh, this was reported in the New York papers. We got a text uh, middle of the day yesterday from our friend Whipper, uh, and then I l- looked online. Jenny Baranzik was a in consideration of Duke. Duke. Carol Austin got the job again. Mm-hmm. Apparently there were three candidates. The Branzik from Drake, mm-hmm. the Rice coach, who I have no idea who it is, and uh, Carol Austin, who, en- who ended up getting the job. But, but, but Jenny B. from Drake was um Duke's a, a power women's basketball program, too. It's not just men's. Yeah. That women's program has been very successful in its own right. And I, and now, this doesn't mean she's looking around. No. But when you get a call like well, you, Duke, you know what everybody anticipates going to happen, though. Sure. She's Blu- going to leave. Bluter Blu- Blu- hangs it up, and yeah. then she'll go back to her alma mater. That seemed to make the most sense. Right. That's. But when, if Duke calls a school from the ACC like Duke, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. I will take that call. When, I will when take are that we interview. zooming? Right.
Yeah, and a little bit easier now. I mean, there's no flights that you need right. to go on, right? It's just, all right, here's a tour of our facility. This is what it looks like, and let's talk. Absolutely. Well, uh, good good for her for making as far as she did. Her success, look, looking at her year-by-year oh. year record mm-hmm. and, and just how powerful that program has become. But wouldn't it be fun if that men's team could start to do the same type of thing? Well, they teased us a couple of years ago. Teased us. They had a hell of a year. But this is sustained success. And Uh in order to fill that thing up. And they were good last year. Don't get me wrong. They were good last year. It was fun. Look, I think DeVries got it going there. I do. Yeah. yeah. I really do. Um, Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Be great. Mm -hmm. Any kind of sports. I'm rooting for anything. But Jenny Baranzik getting right down to the final cut Mm -hmm. before Carol Lawson got the job at Duke. So that's something to watch again. I don't think she's looking around. I'm with you. I think it's just. uh, once Lisa Bluter goes, she goes back to Iowa City, and that would make the most sense. But certainly this one had to happen. Speaking of Duke and uh, connections here to our state, did you know that Krzyzewski, as he before he got the Duke job, was also looking at the Iowa State job? I do know that. And I, didn't, I wouldn't have known that until I saw it a couple of times on Twitter. Yeah. I, and it's legit. I think Bloom confirmed it. Well, I read it in the book years ago. It, uh, oh, Washington, Washington writer. Big college, Feinstein. Oh, John John Feinstein, Feinstein, yeah. Yeah. It's in one of his books, and he talks about the decision and him kind of going back and forth, leaving Army, what job should Mm. he take? Should he take Duke, or should he take the Iowa State job? Mm. And thinking of the trajectory, and thinking about how rough of a start he got off at Duke. Today, he wouldn't have survived. He doesn't make it. I agree with you. He would not have survived in today's day and age at Duke. And here we are 40 years later. What that program Mm-mm-mm-mm. has got into. And maybe we're going to see coaches with a lot more leeway now. Could be a good thing in the long run. I think so. Yeah. Uh, athletes have a lot more power. <laughs> Will they have that in the long run? Uh, they certainly have it right now. I don't know if they realize it or not, but boy, oh boy, they are wielding the hammer. Uh, that's going to do it. Murph and Andy slide on in at two. That's the next local programming. The Fanatics will follow suit at four. High school baseball at seven, Ankeny Valley. Yeah, you've got that one tonight, seven o'clock on these airwaves. And tomorrow morning, the morning rush will kick it off at six. We're Miller and Condon for, uh, from 10 to noon on 1460 and 106.3 FM.